Hey there folks, my name's Rob Woods and welcome to episode 87 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising who wants some ideas and maybe a little dose of inspiration to help you enjoy your job and raise more money, especially during the pandemic. And if you work with major donors or mid-level donors, or you manage someone else who does this, then I hope you're going to find this episode really useful. Because today I'm excited to share another interview with the brilliant Linda Harwood Compton from a charity called Animals Asia. I first got to know Linda several years ago when she took part in our Major Gifts Mastery program. And one reason I was keen to interview Linda again is that we both got so much great feedback and also follow-up questions from people who listened to our previous conversation on this show that I wanted to pick her brains again to answer those questions. The focus of the chat this time is engagement and things you can do to have more conversations and deepen relationships with your supporters. I always find conversations with Linda both practical and also really encouraging, and this time was no different. I hope you find it helpful too. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. It's a very busy time of year. How are you doing? Really good. Yeah, really good. I mean, it's the, most, it's the busiest time of year, isn't it, for charities at the minute? But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going really, really well. Thank you. Good. And um, thank you ever so much for agreeing to another conversation. You may be aware just what a stir your previous two episodes for this podcast caused. Uh, in fact, I know you were because quite a lot of people have been in touch. I mean, they pay me some lovely compliments about listening to those, but I know they've been in touch on Twitter and LinkedIn following up to ask for more of your advice and so on and that in fact that's partly why I wanted to to ask you on again so that we can download some more of your examples and principles to help so that you're not being asked to have a have a virtual coffee with people every other day when actually your day job is not as a consultant your day job is out there on the front lines raising money so I thought if we could just get some more of your advice in this format, it would be the most efficient way we could help our audience. So if you're up for that, thank you ever so much for making time. No worries, no problem at all. In terms of context, if people haven't heard your ideas before, what's your job title at Animals Asia? So I'm Head of Philanthropy for the UK at Animals Asia. Okay, and... Uh, If people do want to go back and hear some more of your ideas, then, for instance, episode 20 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast, they can hear you talking uh, in depth about the virtual project visits that you and your colleagues were organising even before the pandemic, actually. And then you really ramped that up and and it's been a a key part of your strategy for mid-level donors, trusts and, and major donors connecting with the cause through that particular mechanic so we're not going to talk about that today but what we are going to talk about is in particular engagement generally and how to get more trust more connection more conversations with people who donate and who might care about your cause again just to put it in context I know you'd be too humble to say this but I really want the listener to understand that this stuff works a couple of weeks ago, I think you and I had a quick catch up and I was just basically in awe of the fact that the last three years you've exceeded your target and then it's gone up and then you've exceeded that one and, and you've just done it again this year and we're not even at the end of the year yet. 
and exceeded by some margin. So we're not, I'm not going to talk about the, the details of that, but I just interviewed a lot of successful fundraisers over my career and especially on this podcast. I would like the listener to understand that this stuff is working really well. With all of that said, if someone were to ask you, Linda, my, my donors, you know, they ignore my emails. I find it quite hard to actually build up any sort of connection get them to come to any kind of event or whatever. What can I do to, to help increase that connection? What are a couple of the ideas that you think would be useful to bear in mind? I mean, the first thing I always say to people is there is always a reason to get in touch with a donor. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, an update or case for support or things like that. It can simply be a thank you. And, you know, thank yous don't always have to come after a donation. You know, quite often I'll say thank you for being the voice of our animals that have no, that have no voice. Thank you for, for being part of the Animals Asia family. Um, and I've, I spoke about this in, in previous podcasts that at Animals Asia, we, we are a family. And I think that's quite unusual um, in the sort of UK charity sector, but it works so, so well. And another thing that I, I've done as well in the last couple of years is Every month, so the CRM team, I've asked them to set up um, an anniversary email. So what happens is every month I get an email through with all the donors whose first donation was in that month. And it tells me how many years that they've been they've been part of Animals Asia. And I'll either send them a little card, email them, text them, phone them and just say, happy anniversary. You, you know, you have been part of this family for 15 years and without you, we wouldn't be where we were. And, you know, that that works again. It's engaging, you know, somebody that potentially hasn't given for a couple of years, but, they, you know, they have been on our system for, for 15 years and maybe we're given for five years and then they've kind of lapsed. And it's just these little things that, you know, re-engage people. Um, and it also just shows that you care about the donor. Other things that I do as well, talking about care with, with donors and engaging them is, I, I send like birthday cards to donors, you know, if I know their, their, their birthday or um, quite often that because we're an animal charity, if I know that maybe somebody's dog has passed away or their cat's passed away, I'll send a sympathy card because, you know, pets are part of the family and I want them to know that, you know, I'm thinking of you. I really am thinking of you. Um, and, it, and it works both ways as well. You know, like I um, I had a baby last year and, and you know, the 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 response I got from donors and quite often I go on Zoom calls and you know the donors are like where's Poppy can we see Poppy um, <laughs> and Poppy I can see has attended a few a few face to face meetings <laughs> as well and you know just just bringing the donor and bringing you into each other's world as well just on on that I've long observed that some really successful fundraisers have managed to be more real. They don't have a work self and a home self. They've found a way to let go of a, a, a sort of a, a, a facade or a, a formality when they they pick up the phone and they're making a call on behalf of their charity. But I, I know that that's not obvious. There might even be some listeners that don't agree that I mean, there probably are some things to do with that where you need to be careful, and there are there are some appropriate boundaries. But generally speaking, as long as you you're sensible about it, I have observed that vulnerability and just the the, the openness that you do when you do that it really helps relationship, 
and is less stressful because you're not having to keep changing hats. But what would you say to someone who so far has not found that easy or is not even convinced that that is a, a smart move to make? I'm not like on Facebook with these people or they don't have my personal mobile number. We, we still know that like, you know, I work for Animals Asia and they're, they're the supporter. Our, our relationship is just very, very close. And, you know, I, I like it. I think you get to, to know people and understand even things like their motives for giving as well. You understand it better when you get to know the person. So I, I would say to people, um, you know, get to know your donors. And also it works from both sides because if you get to know your donors, get to know them personally, you know, what their life's like, what world they live in, you know, it, it makes like the ask and, you know, what you're, what you're going to look for in the future from them easier. But also getting to know your donors also means you know, I have donors that I know do not want that relationship with me. And that is absolutely fine. Um, and that's getting to know your donors as well. Uh, and, and I have an example where um, there is a, a donor who only wants postal updates, doesn't want any like back and forth with me and just happy to, to have that. Um, and they were a mid-level donor and now they're donating over £40,000 a year. So I'm listening to, I hear that they don't want that sort of relationship with me and I totally respect it and it's still working. And in terms of helping people connect with the whole organisation and the different ways Animals Asia helps, what would you say we can do in that area? So I think it's so important to get everyone involved in the fundraising element of it. And um Quite often we, we talk about, you know, the, the programme teams being involved and I do want to speak about that. But first of all, I was going to say that, you know, other areas of the fundraising team, get them involved in your work and, you know, make them aware that, you know, with prospects, warm prospects, you know, that you want to engage. And a perfect example of this is back in September time, one of my colleagues in the trust team contacted me and she said, you know, I, I'd look after this trust, but... Um, one of the ladies that manages the trust, I think she could actually be a, a major donor prospect. Um, so she did an a e-introduction. We got on really well. Um, we, I, I started, you know, cultivating. Um, and long story short, this week she um, gave a $10,000 donation. So thank you to my colleagues in the trust team, because who knows if I would have picked her up before. Yeah, C congratulations. I guess part of this is... Um... Just a, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? I, I've long been a fan of the culture of Animals Asia and that word family comes up again and again. I think a key reason it feels natural and easy for you to do this great communication, great give and take with colleagues is because everybody genuinely feels like we're all in it together to help these animals. Colleagues in other teams, people who are able to donate funds, People are able to you know, represent our policies or tweet about it. People on the front line. It's a whole family that shares these values. Absolutely. And I think as well, everyone understands the importance of fundraising. You know, whether you're part of the comms team, whether you are in the sanctuaries working, um, everyone understands that without fundraising, we, we can't do what we do and we can't, we can't save the animals. And our programmes teams wow they get fundraising i've never worked anywhere like it where the program teams have really really understood it 
And for us, you know, 90, 95% of, of our donors will never, will never see the bears, will never see them. Um, and that's a problem we have and what we spoke about previously is, is bringing the sanctuaries and bringing the animals to our donors in the UK. And our sanctuary staff do that beautifully. So whether it's WhatsApp messages, um, which I'll, I'll speak about a little bit later, webinars, health checks, quick updates, you know, that the sanctuary staff understand the importance of that to the donor. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because even the sanctuary staff now say to me, you know, oh, how's X donor? How's Y donor? You know, oh, could you let them know that their bear, this happened to their bear the other day? So it's not, it's not even me, like, asking. They're, they're coming to me now with information and wanting to know. Um, and I've, I've never, never worked there anywhere like that. Um, and another example is so we're, we're building a new sanctuary at the minute and our um, director in Vietnam was going down to, to have a look at um, it's in a national park and she said to us, she said, you know, do you want me to take some pictures for some donors? Shall I take some videos? Like, what, what, what can I do? What can I send to you guys? Um, and I said, and she said, you know, nothing's obviously happened yet. We're just going down to like survey the land and, you know, have a look. And I said, first of all, thank you, because that would be amazing. Second of all, it doesn't matter. Like, we want to see it from nothing to see it building up because we can't be there. Um, and she sent some wonderful videos through and I had a Zoom um, because of the current situation with my donors. We, we decided to do a Zoom yesterday um, and I showed a couple of them for the first time in the videos. And it was I just loved looking at their faces. They, they just it's, it's bringing it's bringing Vietnam and China to them. Hi, it's Rob, and I want to jump in quickly to let you know about our two flagship courses, the Major Gifts Mastery Programme and the Corporate Mastery Programme, which are a combination of masterclasses and one-to-one -one coaching to help fundraising professionals to grow their confidence and their results. To give you a sense of the difference these programmes can make, here's what one fundraiser, Paul Davies, said about how it helped him. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm Head of Communications and Development at Manchester Camerata. We're an orchestra and charity and I've recently done the Major Gifts Mastery Programme and, and I can honestly say it's worth its weight in gold. I was meeting on average um, six people a month and now I'm meeting around 20 and we've recently launched our COVID-19 appeal and we've had an amazing start and I've just secured what is the, the largest gift any individual has given to the charity in the past. Um, yeah, do it. If you'd like to find out more about either programme, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. Right now, let's get back to my chat with Linda. The truth is, in a busy, complex charity, it's not always easy to create strong, mutual understanding and regular communication across different teams. So I was keen to find out Linda's view on how we can make this more likely to happen. Maybe they're obvious tips, but if you were to name one or two things that the fundraiser can do or the leader could do if they're listening to increase that chance of cross-team understanding, what would you say? I mean, even getting them to listen to this podcast and say, look, it works. It, it absolutely works. You know, there, there's somebody there that's working with the programme team and they are helping the fundraise and they are moving mid-level donors up to major donors just through something as quick as, um, you know, a little picture on WhatsApp. It, you wouldn't understand the difference that it makes. And also, if you can get your programme staff to, to kind of sit down and, and understand, you know, the sort of basics of fundraising. And I know everyone is so, so busy 
but like the importance of it, the importance of storytelling, for example, something as quick and as easy as that. Um, and actually, I just did a storytelling workshop with some colleagues yesterday and the Vietnam team have asked if I will do it for them as well, because they, they say, you know, you're, you're the experts in this. Um, and I think fundraisers forget this, that this isn't, we didn't just wake up one morning and become fundraisers. Like this is a career. We've worked hard for it. We, we've, we've learned how to do this. So be proud and share that with your program teams and, you know, get them involved. And the other thing I would say as well is if you can get a donor to speak to the program team and, you know, show what a difference they make to that donor and their, their potential given as well. Wow, that sounds amazing, Linda. I, I can just tell that, that that's going to make a difference when you're able to set up those conversations. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, a recent example is um, we had a big rescue back in springtime. Um, we had 100 bears we brought back to our sanctuary. And a couple of months ago, one of the donors who actually has a bear there and has, has I call them her bear mum, and um, they, they were asking how, you know, how the bear was doing. And so I went to our team and I asked and um, they, they gave an update and they said, well, she, she's not settling in quite yet. Because this is another thing. We're very transparent. We're not, you know, if a, a bear isn't settling in, we're going to tell the truth. You know, we're going to say she's, she's not quite there yet, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to do A, B, C and D. Um, so then the donor got that information and then um, she said, thank you so, so much. She said, I, I know like your guys are so, so busy in China. Do you mind if I just ask a couple of other questions? I'm just, I'm, I'm worried. I want to make sure she's okay. So for about a couple of weeks, we went back and forth. Not, nothing major. I mean, it was a couple of sentences here and there. Um, but the, the guy I was liaising with in China was just was just wonderful. He was so, so wonderful and took so much time to, to do that when I know he is so busy. And after we found out the bear had started to settle and, and was happy again, um, the donor came back to me and she said, look, I just, I want to say thank you so, so much. She said, what can I do for the sanctuary in China to say thank you? And um, it resulted in a very nice donation. Um, yeah, and, and we actually, it was restricted funding, which is quite unusual for us actually, because we're good with unrestricted funding, but this, this was restricted. And um, their, our director in China was just overwhelmed. He was so, so grateful. And um, yeah, so he sent like the pictures back of, you know, restricted funding, what, what it purchased and whatnot. And it was just like a really lovely, lovely moment. And uh, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that by him just like giving an update about this little bear that this lady said, well, let me know how I can help you now, which is wonderful, really wonderful. It's a virtuous cycle, isn't it? Because the more you're doing that and the more you're able to step back and let them have the conversation and the more you give feedback to your colleague about just, even if it doesn't lead, lead to an extra gift, because that's that's not the point, but feedback of any kind in both directions, it does just help, again, that, that family sense and everybody's more likely to, to do more of these um helpful things because of getting a sense of the difference it's making oh yeah absolutely and you know we've said before like people buy feelings and identity and people want to be part of something they want to connect and they don't want to just connect with with the sanctuary the animals they want to connect with the people that are looking after them vice versa with our program team um, but what I was going to just add to that is I know people will be listening and saying, I can't ask my programme team to that. They're up to their eyeballs. They've not got time to do that. And I totally get that. I mean, we couldn't do that for every single donor. 
So I just wanted to give you like an update about what I'm doing to kind of like overcome that. So I think I spoke before about WhatsApp. So what I would do is if anything came through about the sanctuaries, a little snippet of a video or a, or a picture, um, I would send it onto WhatsApp to, to certain donors. What we've done now is we actually now have a WhatsApp group for the sanctuary and it's um, specific staff members. And what they'll do is if they see anything that they think will be of interest um, to, to donors, and it can be as run of the mill as a bear having their lunch out in the sunshine, as, as run of the mill as that, to really like advance things that they're doing that are, you know, really ahead of the game with, with sanctuaries. Um, and they send that through to us. And then we pick and choose what we want. Now, what I do, and the tip that I would say as well is, on WhatsApp, what I actually do is I click forward. I don't copy and paste it or download it and then send it to the donor. I forward it to the donor because can you get any more grassroots than somebody WhatsApping that picture from Vietnam straight to the donor? And I'm just the messenger. That's that's all I am in that WhatsApp. And it has been incredible, absolutely incredible. I think before when I spoke to you, I was speaking to a few people on WhatsApp. It was a new sort of thing. Now I speak to a lot of people on WhatsApp. Again, that's also because people have got um, Zoom fatigue, email fatigue, and, and, you know, they just want, you know, short, sharp bursts of information that they can follow. And everyone opens their WhatsApp, don't they? Not everyone opens their emails all the time. So would you say now, maybe it's hard to put a number on it, but as much of your communication with your major and mid-level donors is through WhatsApp uh, compared to any other medium, like, you know, two years ago, the dominant thing would have been email and then phone calls when you can now is whatsapp the, the dominant one i would say email is still dominant because if you're sending out you know reports and stuff like that then it would be that what i would say is i used to have a lot of face-to-face -face meetings pandemic happened i had to find a way to interact and engage with people we already did our webinars but that isn't like that's one to many i needed something one-to-one -one. so i would say almost my face-to-face -face meetings I've used WhatsApp for that close contact with them. To be honest, it works really well because like you maybe have your face-to-face -face meetings like, you know, once, however often, whereas WhatsApp, I can send something really quickly every day and you can do it on your, your computer as well. You don't have to be doing it on your phone. You can do WhatsApp web. So that's interesting, Linda. To me, WhatsApp was the thing I've only ever done on my phone tell me about whatsapp web yeah so it's, it's just exactly the same you just log on to the whatsapp web page put in your phone number and you can just use whatsapp on, on your laptop which is obviously easier than texting and using your phone all the time and you can have it open so you know just as you have your emails open if a whatsapp comes through and you think well that looks interesting let me just forward that on to you know donor x y and z and um, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's much easier. And somebody told me about that as well. So so I have to thank them for that. Uh, through all our discussions, a, a theme you always talk to me about is ways we can involve the donor, not just in giving money, but also just being part of the mission more generally. What else would you say we could do if we're to help that happen in practice? I would say, again, knowing your donor as well and what their interests are, um, because we have a couple of donors now who are interested in other elements of our team. So, for example, our comms team, um, I have a donor who has just, you know, started to become interested in filmmaking and communications. 
and we released a, a film recently and he got in touch and he said this, this is just fantastic tell me more about it this is just wonderful um, so I told him more about it. Um, I, I mean, I'm not an expert in comms. You know, I, I, I told him what I knew and I said, you know what, it'd be really good for you to actually have a Zoom call with our comms team, our head of comms. And, and he can tell you, he can tell you all about it because I can only tell you so much. And he said, yeah, that would be brilliant. Um, and he said, but to be honest with you, I'm happy to give money towards a comms project next year and I'm going to give you X amount. And that's on top of what he's already pledged on top of another project that was an additional one as well. Um, so from going from one pledge, I now have three um, for, for three different areas. Um, and that phone call hasn't even happened with the comms team yet. So who knows when, when, when it happens with the comms team, um, which, is, which is wonderful. Um, and then another example is um, another donor was asking about individual giving and how we were, were doing with that. He didn't know much about it and he wanted to you know, know a bit more. Um, and I said, yeah, I said, absolutely. Again, this is going to be for the new year. We're going to set up a call. Um, and I'm very open and honest as well. Like, I'm not an individual giving expert. I'm not. So I can only tell you so much. You're better to hear it from the person that is the expert. Um, so we're going to go on the call and I'm also going to be on the call as well, but it's also learning for me. You know, I'm going to learn about, you know, an individual given on that call as well. Um, so that's just two examples that have happened quite recently where somebody said, I'm a donor, um, but I'm, I'm actually interested in an area you wouldn't necessarily think I would be interested in. And our job is to pave the way to get, get more information. And do they want to support that area of our work? So I'm guessing one factor that increases the chances that will happen is this regular communication, this easy, relaxed relationship where it's not the charity sends you some stuff twice a year on, on a regular impact reporting occasion. It, it, I sense there's this just ongoing range of channels through which people can get in touch with you, ask you questions and or you are offering opportunities for them to tell you what's on their mind and so on. And that increases the chances that they'll be open to, to actually say, do you know what, actually, Linda, I'm interested in this thing, not the thing you just sent me. So it's more likely to happen then. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you, Linda. There's so many different ideas you've got to share that we can't fit them all into one episode. Uh, what we're going to do is get the first half of our conversation out as an episode for the listeners. And then I look forward to speaking to you very soon. And next time, I think there's several more topics we're going to look at, including storytelling, asking donors for testimonials and making films and, and how bespoke films can help bring donors closer to the cause. So I look forward to catching up with you about that one very soon. But for now, thanks so much for appearing on this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing Linda's approach to relationship building and fundraising. As always, you can see a short summary and a full transcript of this conversation in the episode notes, which are on the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. If you're interested in exploring these and other ideas at a much deeper level, you can experience the same level of training and coaching support that Linda received when she attended the Major Gifts Mastery Programme. We're now accepting participants onto this program and the Corporate Mastery Programme, both of which start in the spring of 2022. And at the time of publishing this show, there is a super early bird discount for both programmes. To find out more, 
head over to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. And if you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to share it with your team or on social media, thank you ever so much. It really does help us to get these ideas out to as many charities as possible. And if you want to get in touch on Twitter, Linda is at LatchLinda and I am at Woods underscore Rob and we're both on LinkedIn. Finally, thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot stories and ideas with you next week.